Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Thank you, ma'am. We're talking about... Oh, first, uh, Sharon Gillis asked me to announce that uh, our bottle box back there is empty. And so if you could bring some bottles, we, we like to help these young people that come from Camp Kobiak. They are a blessing, and many of them uh, have critical roles in our ministry, particularly with the children. And so, and if you don't have bottles, but you'd like to make a donation, she'd be happy to do that. She and her husband do a great job of heading that up. We're talking about the American Trinity. And one of the, and we said the American Trinity is liberty, e pluribus unum, and in God we trust. And we passed out pennies last week. Well, I was walking across the auditorium this morning, I looked down, I said, oh, there's a penny, and I pick it up. And there's Queen Elizabeth on it. <laughs> and uh, it's, of course, you know, it says Canada. And I thought it's interesting because on one side it says one cent, 1985, Canada. And on the other side, I think it says, does anybody know what it says? It's, it's, it's really worn down. Who's got super great eyesight that can read? And what? In who? In hockey. That is what it says. In hockey, we trust. It says it. I don't know what it says. I think it says Elizabeth II or something. I can't say. What it doesn't say is liberty. And it doesn't say e pluribus unum. And it doesn't say in God we trust. Interesting. Interesting. The other day, Sunday afternoon, we talked about liberty. And we said, according to the founding fathers, liberty guarantees freedom. Freedom of opportunity, you know, or equality, which leads to freedom of opportunity. Not, not, it doesn't guarantee equal outcome. Because when you try to guarantee equal outcome, you get what third world countries get in many cases because that's the route they chose to go. And it doesn't work. And I want our country to be blessed. So we talked about liberty the other day. Uh, Today we want to talk about e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And what I'm trying to do is educate you because I am very much aware. I I really try to be astute about what's going on around me. And I read a lot. I I watch the news a, a fair amount, not as much as I used to. Uh, and, and I think I have uh, an understanding of, of what's going on. And I'm trying to educate you because I, I know, you know, I, I can feel it sometimes I'm, that you get pushback because people are, are listening. They're, they're listening to politicians. They're listening to movie stars, actresses, athletes. Everybody's standing on a soapbox. And most of the voices out there are not godly Christian voices calling us back to where we were, they're calling us to something different. And I'm just scared if Christians listen and they follow down that path. So 
me being up here preaching this series is simply to inform you about the truth and about what the Bible says to get us back to where we're blessed. I want to begin, though, with an article. I have the previous two messages talked about an article. This is an article by Elmer Cox. I have no idea who that is, never heard of the name. But he's discussing the point of the message tonight. And the title of this article is, Discussing What Out of Many, One, Means in Today's Society. Just listen to this. I'm going to read a a larger excerpt than what I might normally do. But a part of this I think you'll find fast. I learned something here about E Pluribus Unum that I didn't know, and I found it fascinating. The last half of the 18th century, especially 1770 to 1790, was a very exciting and explosive time in the history of what was soon to be called the United States of America. Unlike today, our country was young, fresh, and optimistic. So immigration was free and open. But folks, let let me say this about immigration, because I know that's a hot topic right now. Whenever I handle hot topics, I know I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm up here to proclaim the truth, okay? We're all for immigration. I mean, at some point in time, my family immigrated from somewhere. You know, I think Scotland, Ireland, there. We're all for immigration, But folks, you don't just leave the door open and you don't know how many are coming and what they're bringing with them. We're for legal immigration, right? We're for order. We're for immigration. Everybody's for immigration. But I mean, a lot of those people that are, there are people that just want to have, there are people that want to abandon border guards altogether. And as many people want to come, come and bring with you whatever you want to bring. And if you're from the Middle East and you're ISIS, you know, learn Spanish and come and cross the border. And, you know, many of those people that are proclaiming that kind of stuff are the elites who live in gated communities (laughs) with security systems. Do you understand the hypocrisy there? I mean, any reasonable person is going to, one, guard their house, and secondly, guard the border. I, look, we, I'm for immigration, but it's got to be legal. It's got to be orderly. And, and then people that are fleeing, if, if they go through the orderly process, then praise the Lord. You know, come in, be welcome here, and, 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 and agree with our values. Amen? Don't create here what you're fleeing from. You know, if all you watch is CBS, NBC, and ABC, you think I'm a radical right now. (laughs) You know, you think I've lost my mind. And it's just common sense. It's just common sense. Yeah, I'm for immigration. I'm for families that want a better life to to come here. But it's got to be orderly. And you you got to come through the gate. You know, if you're climbing over my gate, I'm suspicious. (laughs) Somebody, you know, if I lived in a gated community and I see people coming over the gate, that's raising some questions. You come to the gate, I'll meet you there, we'll talk. Oh, you're here, well, come in, yeah, come in. So, anyway. People flowed into America from around the world to find a new life in this small frontier on a new continent. And back then, you, you weren't having ISIS trying to get in. 
Okay, that's you, the, the, the more the challenges are out there, the more careful you have to be with people. One of these men was a fellow from Geneva, Switzerland, named Pierre-Eugène Du de Cimetière. You might not know the name. Let me introduce you to him, the article says. Pierre was elected in 1768 as a member of the American Philosophical Society, along with Benjamin Franklin. He was a naturalist, an American patriot, and a patriot painter, or no, a portrait painter. Uh, de Cimetière served as the artistic consultant for the committees that designed the Great Seal of the United States. And he submitted the first proposed design uh, to include the Eye of Providence. In 1779, this man painted the first known portrait of George Washington, later used for the one-cent coin, minted in 1791. In 1781, he was conferred an honorary degree from Princeton University, and he successfully suggested the adoption of what was later to become the de facto model of the United States, a Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, which means out of many, one. And this writer said, that is our interest right now. But what did he mean by e pluribus unum? Well, first of all, he did not mean turning all diversity into one singularity of thought or formation. Everything you know and learn about this world and this universe points not to sameness. Rather, it points to diversity. Ours is an existence of difference. And folks, we look, when you come to America, you embrace our ideals. The ideals of liberty, e pluribus unum, and in God we trust. You, to become an American, that's what it means because we're not a nationality. We're, Americans are not a, an, an ethnic group, but it means you embrace those things. Now, can you still celebrate the fact that you're an Italian-American? Sure. Can you celebrate the fact that you're a French-American? Sure. You know, we're, we're not for making it all homogenous. And Look, I love going down to South Louisiana and the Cajun heritage down there. And the friend, I think it's one of the, if you've never been in Cajun country, their accent is, is just really, really cool. And, and yeah, it's, it's what they, on swamp people, that's what they sound like. And a lot of those places they name, I, I know Pierre Part and, you know, Bayou Sorrel and all those places, that's all familiar names to, to me. So we can celebrate our, our diversity, but we're pulled together by common values. And that's what's being lost in our nation right now. These, these common values, the, these principles that have brought us together and have made us a melting pot and, and has made America great with Italian-Americans, African-Americans, and, and Native Americans. Well, Pierre Eugene de Cimetière thought he had found a way to what? what are we, I skipped a point. How do we have diversity and unity at the same time? He took those three words, e pluribus unum, with a bunch of different letters, e pluribus unum, and notice, first of all, this is what I found fascinating, not that it necessarily means anything. He took those words and noticed, first of all, that there were a total number of 13 letters in that phrase. Out of many one, that's the 13 colonies becoming one nation. 
They happen to be the same number as the colonies now formed on this new continent. Then he noticed the translation of those letters into English and their meaning, out of many, one. It seemed to be a fit. And indeed, for over 200 years, it has been. Well, almost a fit at any rate. As time passed, that phrase would come to mean the U.S. was to be a melting pot. I heard that all the time growing up. Do you hear that anymore? Seldom do you ever hear the terminology by any uh, leaders in this country that America is a melting point. Now, why is that? I mean, isn't that a good thing? I mean, it's not that we all become German or that we all become Frenchmen or we all become African Americans. It's that we all become Americans. You know, shared values, uh, shared principles. And according to our founding fathers, based on the Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, God-fearing people. And that's, that's what has you united us. That's one of the reasons everybody should stand for the flag. Because it's that flag and what it represents, those values. I mean, you can still protest. You can write letters. You can protest. You, 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 you can do that. But when the flag comes by, that's what is symbolic of why you get to protest. You don't want to protest what gives you the right to protest. Again, does that make sense? You protest the symbol of what gives you the right to protest? Because if that symbol dies, then you don't have the right to protest. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. As time passed, that phrase would come to mean the U.S. was to be a melting pot, where different ideas would flow together into one great democratic ideal of unity in diversity, that all these different Ethnic groups coming to America made us stronger, not weaker, stronger as long as we held to the founding fathers' principles. Yes, the U.S. was designed to be a diversity, a pluralism, at the same time a unity. But later, as the United States developed, our melting pot uh, was seen more as a tall salad, a bunch of different individual pieces, some claiming to be better than others, but none fitting together. Now, however, some 240 years later with some 50 states as opposed to 13, we find ourselves ready not to melt together as was the plan, but to explode. Most of our unity is gone. Our differences that were originally meant to unite us, to expand us, to free us, are about to destroy us. And he ends the article by asking the question, what can be done? Well, Don't leave discouraged tonight because there's something that can be done. We need to get back to the Bible. We we need to get back to God. E pluribus unum, out of many one. Okay, now we're ready to go. you're, You're on top of things up there. Thank you. Out of many one. The meaning of the phrase originates from the concept that our union of the original 13 colonies merged into a single nation. And again... Remember, these were God-fearing men around the tables in Philadelphia that came up with this great ideal, these values. These are God-fearing men that wanted to bring all these different nationalities together. And God-fearing people can do that. Now, the Bible emphasizes that. When I say they were God-fearing men, it's because they knew the Bible. And again, if there's one thing that the Bible emphasizes over and over again is unity. 
For example, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized in the one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Again, if there's one thing, if you, if you know your Bible, you know the Bible is always emphasizing unity among people. And, and it is condemning uh, people that create problems, that stir up trouble, that become critical, that, that become gossips. It, it condemns that. It, it wants us together in unity. And our founding fathers understood that. Hitler didn't understand that. Was he looking for unity with the Jews? No, that madman was out to destroy the Jews, and so many people followed him. It's dangerous when a country gets away from God. And one of the reasons we have been blessed as a nation is we have been a nation that have followed God. Now, this whole idea of 13 colonies becoming one out of many one has been extended or expanded to mean that, you know, people with many different ethnicities can come here and we can all be Americans, whether we and our families originated in Spain or Portugal or England or Japan, it doesn't matter. And we've been known, therefore, as the melting pot. Now, most national boundaries reflected people with a certain language or a certain culture. So you have a certain people with a certain language and a certain culture, you get Germany, Germans speaking German. And you go to Spain and you get, you know, people of a certain ethnicity speaking a certain language and of a certain culture. Uh, they, they become Spaniards. That's Spain. But our boundary isn't that. Now we have our geographical boundary. But our, 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 our the boundary that holds us together as a people is not ethnicities. Because we have, I mean, go to San Francisco and go to Chinatown. There's, there's, hung, there's, there's, there's communities that are basically in this nation Hungarian descent. There's Polish descent. And for years we lived together in harmony and peace. It's only been in recent years that we start seeing this division and this animus and this, this animosity. But in our country, it's what brings us together and holds us together are these ideals, these principles. The the United States developed to define Americans not by their ethnicity, but by their shared values. An American is not determined by his skin color, but it's determined by the values, the and primarily, by, by any, anybody's measurement, primarily by Judeo-Christian values. And anybody that was willing to give up his prior identity and his prior allegiance could become an American, and a proud American, and a grateful American. I'd be remiss, and I'd be, I would not be acknowledging the elephant in the room if I didn't say that The one notable, significant, and that's putting it mildly, cancer in this nation was slavery. And that was a problem. 
And that was a serious problem. But thankfully, through the bravery and the ultimate sacrifice of hundreds of thousands of Americans, that issue was resolved. It is ironic, I will grant you, that the Constitution says, we the people of the United States, you know, it talks about equality. And that was a problem. But this nation took care of that. But sadly today, there are people who profit by playing identity politics, by playing one group against the other. Look, as a Christian preacher, I want to bring people together. We're all made in the image of God. The children's song says it's best. Black and yellow. How's it go? Black and yellow. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And we believe that. But there are, in any country, in any situation, almost in any family, there are rabble rousers. For whatever reason, there are rabble. People who promote hate. People who want to point out differences. People who just exude animosity. There are people in this nation today that want to pit blacks against whites, Native Americans against immigrants, rich against poor, religious against non-religious. And there are a lot of people that do it, I'm sure, out of sincerely held beliefs, although terribly wrong, but a lot of them do it for profit. There's money to be made. Because I am a victim, you owe me. Because I'm a victim, you can't hold me responsible. Because I'm a victim, you can't criticize me. The Bible says, take responsibility for yourself. Listen, where people have been made victims, injustices need to be, need to be dealt with. Injustice needs to prevail. Not mob mentality, but a justice based on the word of God where free people are understand right and wrong and, and, and good and evil, and they make decisions not based on hatred and personal prejudice, but when you get away from God, that's where you're going to be inclined to go. I mean, Hitler, he didn't make any decisions based on the word of God, or he'd have never made any of the decisions that he made. I mean, there are people like that, folks. There are people that are just filled with hate, There are people that are filled with animosity. What happens if that takes over in a nation? When more and more people feel like that they are victims and feel like that everyone else hates them. And listen, when you remove God from the equation of any society, then everybody is going to get suspicious because a lot of people are going to be acting in ways they shouldn't. You know, in an unsafe society... Who rises to the top? It's the most cunning. It's the most crafty. It's the best liar. Let's just, boy, let's say you have a gang. You go to Los Angeles and get in a gang, 50 guys in a gang. Who's going to rise to the top of that gang? The meanest, baddest dude, right? Yeah? And that, that, okay, it's a gang, but let's, let's just unsaved, rebellious people. They have no God to guide their conscience, folks. Now, to the degree that kind of mindset takes over in our nation, what kind of leaders are going to gravitate to the top? The most cunning? The best liars? 
that's what surfaces to the top in an unregenerate society. Just look at the societies around. Look, look at the Middle East. Look at the kind of leaders they have in the Middle East. Look at, look at South America. Look, look at all these, these countries. Look at, look at what happened in Russia. It's dangerous when a nation forgets God. What do they open themselves up to? The passions of people based on their anger and their perceived ills with society. A nation where all the citizens are unsaved can quickly devolve into a nation of mistrust and, and animosity, and a nation like that can't survive. One of the things that's been promoted a lot here lately, it seems like, in the last few years is that you know, this is a racist nation, that America is, is a racist country. I was proud to hear a leader the other day stand up and say, that is not true. That, as a country, no, we're not a racist country. We have laws enacted to prevent that, do we not? And that would represent our country. Are there racists in this country? Absolutely. Folks, I could Old South. I remember going into Walgreens at a time when it was a big deal that they were starting to let blacks go up to the counter to order a milkshake. I remember that. I saw the end where my doctor, Dr. McMains, that did the surgery on my arm, when you went to his office, you, you went through the white entrance or the black entrance. And inside, two water coolers. The black and the white. Have we, have we had large expanses of people be um, racist through the years? Absolutely. And I condemn it, condemn it, condemn it. But folks, we've come light years. We've come, that's a fact. My mom's not here, and she wouldn't mind me saying, my mom comes back from the older South than me, okay? I mean, where everybody looked on everybody with suspicion. But folks, times have changed. Are we perfect? No. But are we as racist as we once were? At not even close. I mean, my mom and dad from the deep old south, I mean, where the Klan was, was active down in south Louisiana. How much have times changed? I showed some of you the picture of Al, my, my mom's neighbor across the street. I'll, share, I'll tell you how much times have changed. She calls Al her black son. And, she, and she's not making fun of him. That, that is a term of endearment. She loves Al, and Al loves her. And Al loves her. It's been a huge change down south. Are there still pockets of racism? Absolutely. But be careful when you hear these firebrands up there and these people shaking their fists saying that this is a racist nation. I'm going to throw out a, uh, an opinion here. I, I think one of the worst things that's happened to our country is the 24-7 news channels. I, I really do. You, you know, they're not on the air. This may shock somebody. They are not on the air to give you news. Listen, listen to me. They're on the air to make money. I mean, it's, it's a business. 
You know, and, and, I'm, I'm not, and that's okay that it's a business. But I heard this the other day, that they interviewed a CNN uh, reporter. And this person talking to him said, you guys know there was no collusion. And the reporter said, we know it, but it's good for business. They got to keep stuff ginned up. Whether it's conservative or, or whether it's uh, liberal stations, they got it because they make money when you tune in, and you're not going to tune in to see them get the little kitty cat out of the tree. Well, that might be more interesting. Than, <laughs> I think I would watch them get the little kitty cat out of the tree. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're ginning stuff up. Remember when Walter Cronkite, you young people, y'all know Walter Cronkite, right? <laughs> yeah, right. How, how long did they have for news? Well, in a half hour, it's probably like 25 minutes, maybe 24, because you had, you had to put commercials in there. Bill? <laughs> Bill's a big news fan, and he's offended. So. The, Walter Cronkite used to give all the news in 25 minutes. And if you remember, some of that was fluff filler. Because they were just giving the new. Here's what happened. So that's just a personal opinion right now. All this, all this stuff on there. They got to keep it ginned up. They got to, they got to keep it going. Are there racists in America? Absolutely. Are they to be condemned? Absolutely. Are we a racist nation? No. Can you go to Germany and become a German? No. Can you go to Japan and become a Japanese? Well, a citizen perhaps, but a an ethnic. Japanese? No, that's impossible. But can a German or Japanese come to America and become an American? Yes. That's not racist. Can an African American come to America and become a citizen? Absolutely. In fact, it is in our laws. Is it not that you cannot discriminate against somebody because of their race? I mean, that's in our laws. So are there racists? Yes, and they have to be dealt with. Are we a racist nation? Do we have state-sponsored racism? Not that I see. I mean, if we're a racist nation, how do you explain the fact that we have a black on the Supreme Court? How do you explain that we've had a black Secretary of State? How do you explain that we've had a black uh, head up the Department of Justice? How do you explain the fact that we've had a black president? I'm just trying to give you the other side. Because you're hearing the people on their black racist, you know, black power and, and, and whatever. And everybody's a racist. I'm trying to give you some good news tonight. It's not as bad as what this ginned-up news is saying. This one lady wrote, says, as Amy Chua notes in her new book, Political Tribes, no other major power in the world has ever democratically elected a racial minority head of state in the history of the world. Doesn't sound like we're a racist nation. There are black racists as well as white racists. I think if the truth be known, they're living at the fringes of society. I got a couple quotes here for you. One writer says, if I had to guess, listen to this. I think this is true. This rings right with me. I haven't verified it. It just sounds right. This person said, if I had to guess, 99% of the 300 plus million Americans peacefully coexist with members of all races day in and day out. Now, are there racists? Yes. But I, I think that's, that sounds right to me, that 90%, any of you been racist today? 
I think 99% of the Americans, yeah, now on the fringe, you've got these guys yelling loud, so all the TV cameras are over there focusing on them, but they're not focusing on people at the store talking to the clerks and people visiting and people helping one another, blacks and whites going to church together. They're not focusing on that. Here's a statistic. In 1958, 44% of white Americans said they'd move if a black family moved in next door. Forty years later, that number had dropped to 1%. That's a hard and fast statistic. I'm pleased with that. That's encouraging to me. I don't want to live in a racist nation. One of the things I'm pointing out tonight is be careful. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful who you're listening to. And as they used to say on Romper Room, put your thinking caps on. You know, I'm going to bat for you. I'm going to bat for this nation. You know, I'm not up here. You know, I know know when you get up here and it gets a little political, I, I know I can, you know, make some waves. That's not my desire. That's not what I want to do. But I got to speak the truth. I, I got to speak. I don't like the, the direction our nation is going in. I want to call us back to what made us great to begin with. And it's foolishness to abandon that. One, one speaker said, if we're so racist, why are so many minorities risking their lives to immigrate here? The intelligent person, I heard another speaker say this, the intelligent person doesn't ask why did America have slavery. The intelligent person asks why did America abolish slavery. And we did. At a horrible, terrible price and a horrible, horrible war. And after that, yes, still some political battles had to be fought. And it was ugly at times. But folks, America today is not nearly the racist nation that it was even when I was growing up. I mean, for my mom to love Al, welcome Al into her house, call him over to eat gumbo with her, I mean, that's, that's huge. And I'm not saying that my mom or dad ever hated blacks. It, it's just, it was just the culture back then. You just didn't do that back then. Whether you hated them or not, it was just, you know, you have to understand the culture. And I'm not defending that culture. What I'm saying is it's a whole lot better now. Be careful of those who play identity politics. Look, when people are traded wrong, yeah, things need to be made right. And there's nobody better able to do that than we Christians. Because we, above all else, love people of any race, any culture. Look, even if they disagree with us, even if they're of another religion, we know that still they're made in the image of God. And we know, whoever they are, whatever race, whatever culture, we know that God sent his son to die for them. And as he loved them, we are to love them. The the best hope for this country is not going to be found with the politicians. The best hope for this country is going to be found in politics. Excuse me. Just contradicting myself. It's to be found in the pulpit. And preachers preaching the truth of God's word. And if it steps on some toes, that's, we hate that. But you've got to preach the truth. Things are getting ugly. I want them to get better. I want to bring people together. And it's the truth that will set you free.
So again, this e pluribus unum, out of many, one. That referred to originally the 13 colonies becoming one nation. Since then, many writers will say its broader meaning is all kinds of different peoples from around the world can come together and be one. And there's only one way that that can happen. It's through God and his word. That, that, and that's the only way it has ever happened. This great experiment called America. Remember, Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, Mussolini, they didn't have the, the redeemed mind to think the lofty thoughts that Madison and Jefferson and Washington and Franklin, those men sitting around those tables, not all saved, but I will contend, all God-fearing men, and they're, they're, you can make a distinction there. Why were they thinking differently? Because of God. The Judeo-Christian ethic got us what we had. When we get away from that, we're going to lose it, and it's scary to think where that might go. So it's incumbent upon us to pray, witness, be faithful in God's house, to get us back to where we are. That's one of the reasons the Bible always talks about seeking what paths? The old path. Because it's always man's tendency to drift. It's always that tendency. So that's one of the reasons that seek the old paths. And that's what I'm asking us to do as a congregation and to influence our communities represented here tonight, to seek the old paths. Pluribus unum. I want to get back to the point where people in leadership proudly point to the fact that America is a melting pot. That's a good thing. That's a compliment. That means we're coming together. Can we still maintain our ethnicity? Be proud to be French? Be proud to be black? Be proud to be Italian? Sure. But be even prouder to be an American. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.